0: to be with you in this way how are you doing or maybe more specifically how is your heart i love this image by scott erickson he posted it on instagram with this caption be kind to yourself and others for not all healing is easily recognizable So good I resonate a lot with this image and uh, yeah it's so true that not everything is visible from the outside not all of our hurts and our pains all the stuff that we're going through some we keep inside and I just want to say again I've said this before this is not an empty question but um, I know myself and my co-pastors Terry and Nelson would be happy to sit with you and hear and listen for the answer to that question, how are you doing, how's your heart? So please do take us up on that. Okay, I wanna do a bit of a thought experiment. And uh, if I was at the Japanese hall, I would say this out loud and get responses, but since we are gathering digitally like this, or you are watching or listening, maybe you could practice this either in your mind or out loud but I want you to think about what sort of words or images come to mind when you think of darkness. What do you think of when you think of darkness? What sort of feelings surface in you as you think about darkness? Perhaps fear? Loneliness, maybe comfort. Uh, Paul Simon wrote this song, The Sound of Silence, really famous first two lines that many people have done or sang in different ways. It goes like this, Hello darkness, my old friend, I've come to talk with you again. I think today's lectionary readings can bring comfort to all of us, no matter how heavy or light our hearts are, or how we relate to the dark. Specifically, we want to look at Psalm 139 in the next few minutes here. We're going to look at Psalm 139 and how God is an all-knowing, all-present, all-creative, all-holy friend. And uh, when you think of friendship— you may have a person that comes to mind right away, someone that's close to you. Uh, but what is it that makes a friend a friend? Uh, I think a lot of people would say it is someone that is there for you, no matter what. And this psalm kind of talks about God being that type of friend times a billion. Um, this psalm is surprisingly intimate, but, uh, maybe one of the most intimate psalms. And I think it's such a great space to enter, especially now where we've been engaging such big topics and ideas and issues that pertain to our whole world and our existence. Not to stop or discount that work, but to pause right now and to allow yourself to enter this deeply personal space, ironically, in this deeply... Unintimate and unpersonal environment uh, digitally. But nonetheless, we are here together, and I believe that God can speak through this medium and uh, use these next minutes. So let's pray with that in mind. God, we need your grace um, to take a video sermon or a podcast and meet with us here in this moment. I pray that you would open us up to hearing uh, new things and to learning new things about you and about ourselves. So help us in that work, God, and help us to see and read the words of Psalm 139 as you, as as a friend to us. And uh, we need a friend right now. Amen. So we're actually going to look just at the first half of this psalm. There's so much goodness in here, and uh, I wish we could do the whole thing, but we're just going to look at the first half. That's verses 1 to 12, and then briefly at the end, verses 23 to 24, which is actually the lectionary text for today. So mainly we're going to focus on all-knowing and all-present God, and we'll have to save the last section, uh, all-creative, all-holy, for another time, which I would love to do. So let's dive in here. This is Psalm 139, 1 to 6, up here for y'all to see. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. This is the word of the Lord. And the psalmist here is describing God as all knowing or omniscient. Um, He knows us, all of us, our true selves. The real unfiltered, the the lying on the couch when no one is around looking self. Uh, And this may bring a sense of wonder to you uh, and comfort, or maybe a bit of dread. He knows me? All of me? (sighs) It makes sense then that the writer goes to this next part, verse 7. Where can I go? Your spirit, how can I flee from your presence after encountering this all knowing God? Someone just going into every nook and cranny. Then I understand this feeling of this question where can I go? How can I flee? How can I get out of here? And isn't this human tendency right from Adam and Eve in the garden? Especially when we discover discomfort or ugliness in ourselves, we want to hide, we want to cover it up we want to go someplace else um this week as i was studying in this room which is not really home office it's that's the glorified way of saying my bedroom but uh, nonetheless it's a makeshift office and uh i uh, i often have this bad habit of midday cracking open a can of diet pop And I'm not proud of it. I don't generally advertise this or talk about it. And especially like most unhealthy things in my life, I don't want my kids to adopt these behaviors. So last week I was doing some work. I had a diet pop right here and I could hear my kids coming into the room. And so just quickly, quietly, I just kind of pushed the pop can into the corners into the shadows behind my computer monitor just far enough out of reach and out of sight that i wouldn't have to address it or deal with it with my kids um and i'm not sure why i think maybe because it's a bit uncomfortable for me and i don't want to go there i don't want to talk about it even now as i'm saying it i'm thinking why did i mention this on uh on video but uh, i'll probably regret it tomorrow but there's a similar thing going on here in psalm 139 and the psalmist is saying god is there even in the shadows so it continues in verse 8 read with me if i go up to the heavens you are there if i make my bed in the depths you are there If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The author now is talking about God as all present. He's everywhere. And he uses, if you look at the scripture, he uses uh, the furthest points of space that he can think of vertically. You've got the heavens and Sheol. Is basically another word for depths. And then horizontally, the wings of dawn or the east and the far side of the sea, which if you were in Israel, would be the west, north, south, east, west, expanded, extended everywhere God is and God is present. Then there's this verse about darkness, and this is where I want to camp out a bit. Verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And I think uh, this is a good point to pause and ask the question, what do we mean when we say darkness? And uh, to help in this question, I'm going to enlist the help of an Episcopal priest slash theologian a psychologist slash spiritual director and uh, at the end a poet so first let's hear from the episcopal priest and theologian barbara brown taylor from her book learning to walk in the dark listen to these words so she describes darkness like this darkness means different things to different people in the lexicon of my subconsciousness Sorry, in the lexicon of my subconscious, darkness is a shorthand for anything that scares me, that I want no part of. Either because I'm sure I don't have the resources to deal with it, or I don't want to find out. The absence of God is in there, along with the fear of dementia, the loss of those nearest to me. So is the melting of polar ice caps, the suffering of children, the nagging question of what it will feel like to die. If I had my way, I would eliminate everything from chronic back pain to existential dread from my life and the lives of those I love. If only I could find the right nightlights to leave on. I'd like this. I think it's so helpful. Uh, And Barbara Brown Taylor is... Not referring to darkness here as evil per se, but as those things that we avoid or hide from or maybe are scared of because they're hard, ugly, or uncomfortable. And she continues this quote I've learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again, so that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need light." So good. Gerald May suggests that the dark night is profoundly good. Gerald May is a psychiatrist and theologian who did some interesting work combining spiritual direction with psychological treatment. And so in this, he's referencing the dark night of the soul, which is an ancient idea uh, that has meant different things for different people, but is originally traced back to St. John of the Cross, a Spanish priest and mystic, and also has been given the awesome title of mystical doctor of the church. So if you're ever going to read some St. John of the Cross, you can say, I'm just going to go visit the mystical doctor. And uh, everyone will know what you're talking about. No, they won't. Anyways, he continues this uh, this quote by saying, the dark night of the soul, uh, referring to the dark night of the soul, the dark night is a profoundly good thing. It is an ongoing spiritual process in which we are liberated from attachments and compulsions and empowered to live and love more freely Sometimes this letting go of old ways is painful, occasionally even devastating. But this is not why the night is called dark. The darkness of the night implies nothing sinister, only that the liberation takes place in hidden ways beneath our knowledge and understanding. It happens mysteriously, in secret, and beyond our control. that reason it can be disturbing or even scary but in the end it always works to our benefit so helpful and uh, as we end i want to uh, draw attention to an invitation and a surprise that i think is in the text of psalm 139 and the invitation comes to us at the end in verse 23 and 24 of psalm 139 and it's a simple invitation to truthfully and honestly pray this prayer and i'm going to put it up in a second but and i know this is awkward digitally or you might be listening on the go or watching in a zoom group or with your friends or by yourself but but to honestly pause and consider this as a prayer that you would pray At the end of Psalm 139, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the the way everlasting. If you dare to pray this prayer, I mean, like, really spend some time with it, I want to encourage you to be ruthless Uh, C.S. Lewis, he said in prayer that we should lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Because I think that's our temptation is to say the right things or to present ourselves as we would want. But C.S. Lewis is saying lay in him what is actually in you. Don't hold back. Be honest. Bring your sorrow. Bring your full lament, your complaints. And i got to give a shout out to Um, Lectio at lunch with Nelson and he brought up this psalm and we spent some time with it it was so great Psalm 142 Uh, and it said in that psalm which is a lament psalm to spill out your complaints before him or name your troubles I love that just to, to be honest he can handle it and the surprise in all of this is God's response to us. After going through the dark parts of our soul, after encountering an all knowing, all present God, after Him seeing all of us, the good, bad, and the ugly, and perhaps even after we attempt to flee, whatever that looks like, the surprise is that we don't find a reprimanding God. I mean, we don't find a God. Standing there with his head shaking, I told you so. You should have known better, or how could you? After all I've done for you? I mean, he has the right to say all of those things, but he doesn't. Instead, we find a gracious, loving, benevolent parent who is with us and for us. Amen. I want to end with this poem by Minnie Louise Haskins called God Knows. Some people call this the gate of the year. So consider these words as we leave today, as we end our time. She writes, And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the night. And he led me towards the hills and the breaking of the day and the lone east.